Welcome to the Derek Prince Ministries podcast, helping you to grow stronger in God. For more than six decades, best-selling author and Bible teacher Derek Prince has been a source of inspiration for millions of believers around the world. You too can benefit from his compelling biblical insights. And now, Derek Prince. In my previous talks, I have explained that according to God's plan, or pattern, marriage is a covenant in which each party lays down his life for the other and then lives out a new life through the other. Yesterday I dealt with the theme of counterfeits that cheat us, human substitutes that do not produce God's results. Today I'm going to talk about the roles of husband and wife the special contribution that each party makes to the total relationship. Of course, I'm going to have to speak merely in brief outline, but I believe that it will be helpful. I'll begin with the role of the husband. As I see it in Scripture, a husband has three basic responsibilities toward his wife. First, to be a head. Second, to provide. And third, to protect. Let's talk first about the headship of the husband. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, The man, that is the husband, is the head of the woman, that is the wife. What does it mean to be a head? I would say that it implies ultimate responsibility for decision and direction. Obviously, the figure head is taken from the physical body. And in the physical body, as I understand it, the way God has ordered it, decision and direction come from the head. Through the nervous system and in other ways, all parts of the body can communicate with the head. And every part of the body has a legitimate right to communicate with the head. But the head is responsible for making decisions and deciding on directions. Now, I believe that's the ultimate responsibility of the man to make decision and to decide on direction. And I believe in this area, the initiative should be with the man. Let me speak to you very frankly and plainly for a moment. In the physical relationship, God has so ordered it that it cannot work unless the man takes the initiative. That's a simple fact of nature and physiology which cannot be changed. I believe that's a pattern of what God intends in every aspect of the relationship. The initiative should come from the man. Now let's talk about the husband as provider. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8, Paul says, But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's very strong language to say that somebody is worse than an unbeliever and has denied the Christian faith. What kind of person is Paul speaking about? He's speaking about a man who doesn't provide for his wife and family. It's a sad fact, but there are quite a large number of people who are going about teaching the scriptures, preaching, and putting on what I would call a spiritual act. But when you go back to the root of it all, they haven't made proper provision for their own families. And the Bible says that's worse than being an unbeliever. 
Provision, of course, is primarily financial. We use the phrase, the breadwinner. It's a little out of date, but it's still applicable. However, I do not believe that a husband's provision for his wife is limited to finance. I believe that he's responsible for her total well-being, physical, emotional, social, and cultural. That he has to see that all her legitimate needs are met. Paul said in the passage we quoted earlier that the wife is the husband's glory. In other words, if you want to know how successful a man is, look at his wife. She's the evidence. And when a wife is fully provided for in every area of her life, physical, emotional, social, and cultural, she will indeed be her husband's glory. The third responsibility of the man is to protect in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, Peter says, You husbands likewise live with your wives in an understanding way, as with a weaker vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. Now that's one of the passages where the Bible goes contrary to most people's thinking. Because the attitude of natural man is, well, if someone is weak, you can dominate. You can get your way. You can force your way through. But the scripture says, just because a woman is weak, that's the reason not to dominate, but to honor. And uh, Peter says that husband and wife are heirs together of the grace of life, joint heirs. This is very significant, because in the legal system of the Bible day, when two people were joint heirs, neither of them could claim the inheritance apart from the other. Their claiming their inheritance depended on them operating together, and moving together into their inheritance. This is true of husband and wife. There are many things in God's provision which a wife or a husband cannot claim on their own. It's only as they learn to flow together and to harmonize that the full provision of God is made available. So it's a husband's business to protect his wife, to stand between her and every pressure, every blow, everything that would break her down. And let me say to you husbands, the more you protect your wife, the more joy and satisfaction you receive in return from her. It pays husbands to invest in your wives. Turning now to the wife, what is her contribution to a successful marriage? In the first place in Scripture where God introduces the theme of marriage, in Genesis chapter 2, he describes what he intends the wife to be, a helpmeet, or in modern translations, a helper. I do believe that sums up in the one word the real purpose of God for the wife. It's to be her husband's helper. I suggest that there are two primary ways in which a wife can help her husband. The first is to uphold. The second is to encourage. How can a wife uphold her husband? Well, I think the easiest way to understand that is to picture the physical body. As we've said, the head is the directive, decision-making part of the body. And yet the head never holds itself up. The head is totally dependent on the rest of the body to be upheld and sustained and nourished. And there's one particular part of the body that is closest to the head and has the direct responsibility for upholding the head. That is, of course, the neck. And I suggest to you wives that, in a certain sense, you should picture yourself as the neck. 
the part that's immediately responsible for upholding your head, your husband. And if you find that just a little maybe undignified, just bear in mind what somebody once said, that it's the neck which determines which way the head will turn. There's a lot of truth in that. Secondly, your next function, and it's very closely related, is to encourage. I can't tell you how important it is to a man to be able to look to his wife for encouragement. I can remember times in my past, in my ministry, when I felt I was a failure. And a lot of other people felt I was a failure too. But I thank God that my first wife, Lydia, never in any way suggested to me that I was a failure. When I was down, she lifted me up. She encouraged me. I can remember one time I came to a point in early in my ministry when I felt I never wanted to preach again. I went to bed totally discouraged. I woke up next morning feeling fine, ready to go. My wife had spent the whole night in prayer for me. I cannot thank God enough for a wife like that. Now, wives, if you're going to encourage your husbands, there's a certain thing you'll have to practice, and it's called self-denial. Suppose you're sitting there feeling blue and mopey, dissatisfied, discontented with yourself, your husband, your home, your children, the car. But you know your husband's discouraged too. What are you going to do? Are you going to tell him just how bad you feel and just how blue you are and just how much you need encouragement and help? Not if you're a good wife. That's where you have to deny yourself. You have to suppress your own discouragement, your own negative emotions, and just devote yourself to encouraging your husband, to telling him what a fine husband he is, how much you love him, how much good he's doing you. Just pick out everything you can that's good and, and focus on it. You say, well, that's asking a lot. Maybe, but I'll tell you something else. You'll get a lot out of it because in the last resort, you'll reap what you sow into your husband. So then those are the, are the responsibilities. The husband's responsibility, threefold. To be ahead, to provide, to protect. The wife's responsibility summed up in the word to be a helper. And two primary ways of helping, to uphold and to encourage. Now, closing my talk today, let me just point out to you the two common basic failures of husband and wife. When a marriage fails, it's usually because either or both have failed in these ways. The common failure of the husband, one that's very common in our culture today, is to abdicate from his responsibilities, not to be the head. Sometimes it can be done in a very quiet, negative way that doesn't appear, but nevertheless, it's a failure. The wife's common failure is just corresponding. It's to usurp responsibility, to take over headship. And there's a great danger of a vicious circle where the husband continually abdicates and the wife continually takes over more and more responsibility. The only way that each can receive the needed grace is through the covenant commitment that God makes the basis of marriage. Thank you for listening. 
For more inspiring teaching, visit our website at dpmuk.org forward slash podcast. And like our page at facebook.com forward slash dpmuk to join our online community. Derek Prince, teaching you can trust. <laughs>